0: Hi, this is Robin from More Than Mothering, and you're listening to episode 19 and 20 with Regina. Welcome to the More Than Mothering podcast, where we highlight admirable moms in every stage and with all different experiences and skill sets. We believe moms are the experts in their own home, and we can all learn and be inspired by each other. Regina was nominated by my sister-in-law. They are friends, and I was able to do this interview on a trip visiting family. I didn't have any idea the kind of impact Regina's story would have on me until I sat down with her. Up until this point, I had been really careful to always have video at max 25 minutes, because I know that moms are busy. But Regina's conversation was about 40 minutes long, and I could hardly bear to cut a single second of it. So I decided to split it into two episodes, and I'm so glad I did. Regina talks about her husband being diagnosed with cancer, life with six kids, and how you help them through that experience. She is so real and so vulnerable, and yet still hopeful and joyful, and I love every minute of this interview. Unfortunately, there are some lost moments in the middle of this conversation. I try really hard when I interview someone not to be thinking about my own agenda or what comes next or what I'm going to reply with or the time. I just try to really invest in listening to the person. And it was several minutes after this recording had shut off that I realized we were losing precious moments. I'll interrupt the audio to tell you when that moment happens. I'm here with Regina, and Regina is a mom of six. Mm-hmm. Youngest yeah, two are twins, who are in high school. The rest have, um, are adult children, and uh, married to Derek for 23 years. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk a little bit more about him in a minute. Um, first of all, you had your kids really close together. Yeah. Um, I think you said you had your first four uh, in th- in under five years. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then you had your yeah. twins when your oldest was not quite seven. Yeah. He had just turned seven. He had just turned seven. Mm. So you had six kids, seven and under. Yeah. Um, which is crazy. crazy. No. <laughs> um, so, It's fun though. So when you look back on that time, I'm sure some of it is just a fog, but, um, but to be able to say that some of it was fun, <laughs> um, do you have... Yeah. anchors of tradition or family culture that kind of what what's joyful that you remember about that time How hey. did you help yourself enjoy those moments oh that's a good it? question
1: like all you're I think it.
0: I just ate, asked like
1: seven different questions <laughs> but good. answer whatever you want uh, <laughs> yeah. okay um yeah I don't know I think I really was um I think I wanted it you know I told Derek when we um, first started, so he grew up with his one brother, mm-hmm. um, which was awesome, and they're really close, they have a good close family. and um, But he really loved the idea of having a big family, and I had grown up with five siblings, and so I thought this would be so fun. And when you're in school, and you're like going full-time, and working full-time, and like so super busy, and and then I decided I want to stay home and be a mom, like I'm not going to have kids just so someone else can raise them, I want to do it. and. And so then I'm home and I'm sitting there with this one baby, and I'm like, I feel like I'm just wasting my time. <laughs> I'm wasting my abilities, <laughs> you know. And which is so silly, but um, but I just had just just kind of everything just slowed down, and I thought I'm gonna be home having kids. I might as well be home having kids. And so I thought I just kind of want to get my team here. I want to see who I'm working with and just get them here <laughs> yeah. so we can do the family thing cool. and so it was actually funny because we um, started saying okay well yeah it would be good to have them close together they could be good buddies and be a support to each other and they could entertain each other and and we should have another baby so they could be close together and then they found out I was already like three months pregnant and then he came a month early and I'm like yeah that was pretty quick Holy so God. once we did that and had those two kids so close together I'm like well we might as well just keep going. Yeah. And it yeah. was super fun. And that, um, just the fact that they could play together. I felt like as long as I'm sitting on the floor playing with babies, I might as well have babies. And as long as I've taken kids for a walk, let's just put them all on a wagon. I used to go with four kids in a wagon and just pull them all over our little trails in the Seattle area. And I just loved it. I thought it was fun. I, I was young and I had the energy to do it. <laughs> I couldn't do it now, so. <laughs> but it was good. So the twins, adding the twins to the mix was um, overwhelming, honestly. And I feel like that's when we learned to let people help us because we, we lived in a, a community that was ready and able to help us. And people started saying, oh, when are our twins going to be born and when are we having our twins, you know, the whole time I was pregnant and everybody called them our twins. And it was super awesome to, to just let people, at first people would come and say to Derek, hey, how can we help your wife? And he's like, no, we're good. We're fine. And I'm thinking, and so at one point I said, you're fine? I'm not fine. <laughs> I'm happy. Got- crazy little people and i just had two babies and i'm nursing them full time like that's all i did was nurse baby right. for a while and i wasn't getting any sleep and so to have people bringing in food or they would come and play with my older kids or take them to get ice cream so i could i mean like somebody would drop by sometimes just so i could get in the shower they'd hold the babies so i could go get in the shower wow. <laughs> and it was crazy and that like you're talking about something's being a blur that first year with those twins is I look back on it and i just like, I survived that. Like, whoa, yeah. I don't remember it. <laughs> but I survived it, so, I don't know. It was good. And then as of course they get older, you know, they're more independent. And yeah. and I think it was actually really good that we um, had them close together. My kids laugh about how many times I would say things like, you know, you've got this, you, you can do this by yourself. Because I really tried to train them to be independent because I was always, I always had
0: a baby <laughs> you know they them. so I needed them to
1: be able to do their own thing and so they were all very capable and I remember one time going on a trip with my husband and I think our oldest was like 13 or something and so they were all you know and um, they said do you, do you guys need help when your mom's out of town like can we help you and my seven-year-old is like my mom had twins when I was five, and I've been on my own ever since. <laughs> She's like, now we got this. <laughs> so, anyway, obviously we had um, a grandma stay with them, so they were fine. Okay. But, but, yeah, they kind of had that um, mentality that, well, we, we can do this by ourselves. And, cool. and they're still very independent, and I, I think that's
0: good. It was a benefit, yeah. a blessing that came from having them all close together. That's really neat. Cool. That's unexpected. I wouldn't guess that. Um, so you were you mentioned this community that was of great help to you, especially after the twins. Mm-hmm. You lived far from home in mm-hmm. Seattle, and then in Colorado, where mm-hmm. you were within driving distance, but right. um, but still not still real close family, to family. Yeah. So um, tell me a little bit about how you built a community of friendships around your family in a way that people were able to then step in and. And help when you need it
1: hmm well I think I am a very um, out
0: there (laughs) I don't know I feel like
1: I I overshare probably (laughs) with people so um,
0: that's good for interviews oh is it you'll get like I'm tired of talking to you but um,
1: I I think because I just um, you know if we went for a walk and we saw people in the neighborhood that had little kids um, we got to know them, chatted with them, and um, figured out where they lived. and we had little play groups that you know we meet there was like we lived in a townhouse at first, and so there was a community clubhouse and we had a little play group that would meet you know a couple times a week. and so we had that support system. and then we also had our church support system, you know that also was very cute about stepping in and helping and, um, and that gave us a little bit more of the um, people that didn't have young kids mm-hmm. they had maybe older kids which was super helpful to me because they became my friends and then they would say well let me send my my 11 year old over to help you um, when you're getting the kids ready for bed or whatever or I have a 14 my two 14 year old boys will come over and play with your kids while you're um, you know, doing whatever and so I got a lot of those older kids that were my friends okay. kids that would come and help a lot, which was really great because a lot of our younger friends, they were so busy with their own kids, you know? Sure. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think I've think learned over the years, you know? Um, and from that example I shared earlier about Derek just being like, no, we got it. Because we are pretty independent and we wanted to be able to do our own laundry. <laughs> and walk our own floors and stuff, you know? But um, But I think if people call me and they say, what do you need help with today and i'm saying oh my gosh i haven't done laundry in like two weeks you know because i hadn't and and i it's hard for me to lie about stuff (laughs) and pretend so i think because i overshare because i'm like i'm not keeping up i'm you know that people i was very willing to if somebody said well then let me come help you with your laundry i was like that would be so great I just let people do it and I know for me there have been times when I have wanted to help somebody like you have a desire you see especially because you have empathy for people who are going through things you've been through Sure. and so I see that I see somebody going through you know it's not like having twins is a trial but going through something like that and and I think I sh- I know I should know how to help them mm-hmm. and like I've been through that same situation but um but if you have somebody that's a little more private and not as willing to tell you what they need help with or it's hard to for me to guess sure i i'm not good at it and i want to help but i just don't want to get in their way and i don't want to step on their toes right. and i worry about offending or get sensitive, being sensitive. You know? yeah and so i i appreciate when somebody will say ah oh, if you could run to the store for me that'd be so great and I'm so happy to go to the store for them because I want to help and I want to know what really would help them and right. so I think because I've been in that spot I as, as we've had other trials as years have gone on I think that I've been just pretty open with what I need because I know that people want to help right. and when people help me and I allow them to help me I mean those are my strongest friendships I consider those friends my family to this day because they're the ones that came in and Helped me with so many things, you know, Mm -hmm. and you get so close to them because they are taking care of you. And and I think that'd be so sad if I didn't ever open myself up and say, Actually, could really use help with this, yeah, you know, then I wouldn't have gained those friendships. So, for sure, so I'm a believer in being open (laughs) with what I need help with,
0: yeah, so that and just letting people in. I love that. Yeah, being able to be vulnerable in order to yeah. create a relationship. Yeah, it's really not powerful. like you really want people to your laundry, right. you know, right. <laughs> no.
1: but, but I love, like I have so many memories when I look back and just think of, you know, this cute friend who would get her kids to bed at night and leave them with her, you know, her husband sleeping and she would come over because my husband worked late and she would come and just Help me get those twins to bed at night and when they were fussy and crying. And we had these great chats. And for me to have another adult after being with all my little kids all day and yeah. adult, know, conversation. adult conversation. And, yeah. and I just thought, it doesn't matter if my house is a total disaster. Like to have Tracy here talking with me is so helpful. And yeah. rocking a baby. And anyway, those are like tender memories for me. So yeah. I'm grateful that I let people do that, that I let them in.
0: Cool. Oh, that's so powerful. Thank you for sharing that. That's cool. Um okay, your husband Derek was diagnosed with colon cancer. Yeah. And um and you lost him about two and a half years ago, I think. Is that right? Yeah. Um, just before your twenty third wedding anniversary. Yeah. And there were five years in between the initial diagnosis and uh, and his death so tell me a little bit there was some remission I think yeah. in that period mm-hmm. um, but he um, tell me a little bit about savoring that time mm-hmm. and um, really really investing in that as a family and mm-hmm. um, and helping your children invest in that time while he still held a job yeah. and you guys moved and there was still a lot of life going on, so yeah. tell me about those yeah. five years. Yeah, because you,
1: you just don't stop your life. You right. Know? Your life is just going to keep happening, and even if, you know, it's not like we're perfect parents, or that we were perfect at communicating with each other, or that we were, you know, none of our relationships are perfect, and it's not like all of a sudden you, like, oh, we've got this terminal illness now, now we'll be perfect in right. our relationships now we'll show love at every moment and now we'll never get frustrated with each other or um, lose patience or whatever. You still do because it's real life and you still have those same you know, human tendencies or whatever and so it's not like we magically just everything became this like blissful, peaceful, you know, we still had conflict and we still had things we had to work through and and um, one thing that was a little bit tricky for or for us um, as a couple was that he was very um, self-disciplined and very determined and was able to really kind of do anything he wanted to do, you know, and he took good care of his body and he um, worked really hard and everything he did and I think in his mind it was like, I can conquer cancer because I am determined to conquer cancer, yeah. you know, I'm going to be healthy and. And it wasn't ever supposed to go into remission, and it did. And so it was like, well, I received this miracle, and I'm just going to assume that forever after, I will live a long, normal life. But in the back of my mind, I kept thinking, OK, this is awesome and amazing. And I'm so grateful that he's healthy, and that he's in remission, and that he's strong and capable. And, but I always, in the back of my mind, thought, it could change at any, month, any minute. Mm-hmm. Like we could go in every three months, he'd go in every month and have blood work done, and then every three months to have a scan, because they fully expected it to just pop back up, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, and every time we go in, I was just like, what what they find something? They could find something at any of these appointments, you know? And so I spent a lot of time during that, like five years. Um, like I've told friends, I cried in the shower like every time I was in the shower because that's the only time that you're like totally by yourself mm-hmm. and you know we put on our happy face and this is so great that you're in remission and um and that we've got this extra time but it was always in the back of my head like I might have to watch you die you know and I might have to watch my kids lose their dad and that's going to be hard and I don't want to do it And um, and so it was interesting because I think I grieved that cancer for those full five, five and a half years. Yeah. And then when he finally died, I was kind of almost like I don't cry in the shower <laughs> anymore. <gasps> Which is so weird. And I've thought about that a lot over the last couple of years. Like, I don't cry in the shower. But I think that I just, like, the anticipation of I'm not going to have this forever um, was hard but also like what you're asking also helped me to just really appreciate him and just be grateful he was here and to be grateful that he was making money for our family you know grateful he could hold a job I was grateful for the time he had to strengthen relationships with our kids because if he had passed away those five years sooner our kids were so young but he got to see them kind of you know he saw three of them graduate from high school go to college and, and um, got a lot more time with those younger twins. They were nine when he was diagnosed with cancer. So um, they were fourteen when he died. And I was grateful for that. You know, that they know him. They'll remember him better. And and I always kept thinking, this is why we had our family so close together.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Because
1: they are all old enough, you know. If we were still having babies, I mean, because he was diagnosed in his 30s, so if we were still in those baby years, I wouldn't, I'd have these little little kids that didn't know their dad, you yeah. know. So I'm grateful that we had our kids <coughs> quickly and got them all here, and we had lots of time together. And it allowed us to just make sure that we, we built memories together, you know. We took a lot of great trips as a family, like to, the whole family, and he and I took trips together as a couple. Um, There was one trip that I kept thinking, if he, so right after he was diagnosed, um, he had always our whole life said, I think Hawaii is overrated. <laughs> I was always like, but I really want to go to Hawaii. <laughs> and he's like, but everybody always talks about Hawaii being awesome and I just think it's overrated. Like there's so many better places we could go. <laughs> and I'm like, how do you think it's overrated? we have never been there, you know? Yeah. And so that was one of the things after he was diagnosed with cancer that he said, all right, we should go to Hawaii. Um. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And he said, should we wait for our 20th wedding anniversary? And because of that, like always in the back of my head thinking, this could change at any minute. I just didn't want to wait for anything. I was like, I don't, I mean, that's a year and a half from now, but I'm not waiting for that. Like, you might not even be here, or you could be sick. Or, you know, And in his mind, he would say, no, I'm fine. I'm going to be here. It'll be fine. And I'd be, but you can't promise that, you know? So there was always this little bit of a, I didn't want to be the downer. Sure. You know, because he was super optimistic. But at the same time, I felt like I have to be kind of realistic about it because that's a potential thing you know Mm -hmm. and so we went to hawaii and we just enjoyed every minute of hawaii we decided it wasn't overrated it's just as great as everybody (laughs) said and then um and then as we had more time um i kept thinking are there are there any other things you know that i will regret if he's gone And I mean, I'm just as terminal as anybody, you know, like I could have died just as easily as he could have. And so it just makes you more aware of what are the things that we should be doing, you know, because we won't necessarily always have this time together as a family or whatever.
0: This is the moment at which we lose some of Regina's words. What she talks about next is a trip that she was able to take to the Caribbean with her husband. He had served a mission there for his church Uh, several years before, and it had always been a dream that he take her back and show her his favorite places and introduce her to his favorite people. So not long after their Hawaii trip, they scheduled another trip to go to the Caribbean while he was healthy and well, and the outlook looked good for the future. It was only a few months later that cancer came back, and it was much more rapid decline at that point. They had a son on a mission for their church. And he was coming home on a day the doctors told her would be her husband's last. Keep going. So you were trying to get your husband Okay, so I was trying to get my son home that day,
1: and the doctor said, um, I think Derek's probably only had a couple hours. And I said, I need five hours. Like, how do I keep him here for five hours? Because I've got this son coming from Canada and he wants to see his dad yeah. before his dad dies. and. Um, and he's like i don't know if we can do it but we'll try and get some oxygen here and we'll just see what we can do so anyway i ended up leaving to go to the airport um to pick up my son like as my husband's like literally of dying and the doctor couldn't believe it and he's like why are you leaving your husband like he is dying he was here at home um and we had hospice coming in and his parents were here and his brother and so i just left his parents and his brother here And I took my kids and I said, we've got to be there for Matt because he's coming home. Right. And he needs to have that support, you know. And so I left and apparently um, when I was gone, I was getting some texts from um, my brother-in-law saying, you've got to hurry, I don't think he's going to make it. And I'm like, we're 20 minutes away. And he's like, okay, we'll pray, because I don't think he's gonna make it. (laughs) So I've got a kid praying in the car as I'm driving him. And and we get home, but apparently right after that, right after he sent me that text, he said that Derek just woke up and he said, hey, did you guys know that Regina and I took a trip back to the Caribbean? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, let me tell you about it. And that was like the first thing on his mind when he kind of Um, Came back to himself a little bit after being on all that pain medication and And kind of he rejoined us for about ten days, (laughs) which was so good. We had that time together But that was the first thing that he He's like that was such a great trip And I've loved it so much to take Regina and show her all those places I've lived and all those people that I've met and um, So I'm so glad we did that and I think that um, I'm grateful for those little whisperings in my mind that were like this is something you'll regret if you don't do it. But this is something you need to do as a family, you know. This so is the time. This yeah. is the time. And I'm grateful because he was super healthy at the time and it just didn't last. So yeah. anyway, I don't know if that answers. it. it does, that's good. <laughs> oh
0: um okay, so when you lost Derek, how do you Mother your children through processing that kind of mm-hmm. loss while still grieving
1: yourself. I oh, no. Well, and I think because I had kind of grieved it. Yeah, you kind know. Of that. Yeah, and so I think that helped. And I think, um, you know, we had a lot of people that, um, you know, like because we've been in the hospital with, you know, you have cancer doctors and they're used to people dying, I guess, you know. And so they have all these different counselors and different therapists, and could we have this person meet with your kids? You know, they're specifically trained to help kids through the loss of parents. And my kids were like, Mom, like that's the last thing we want to do is and talk about it. We just don't want to talk about it. And I was like, but that's what we're supposed to do. You yeah, know, we need to talk about it. And maybe this will help you. I'm fine. I'm good, Mom. I don't need, I don't need that. And we did have one of the um, people come that's hired, I guess, by the hospital. And um, she came and she sat in her living room with us and all my kids, you know, and tried to kind of get them to talk. And at one point she said, I, I think you guys are doing awesome. And I don't know that there's much I could say to do or help you with. And um, so I think my kids are just um, resilient. And I feel like because we'd had a lot of change, um, we moved here when they were teenagers. Derek had just been diagnosed with cancer. It was a scary time. They had to make all new friends, switch high schools, the three older ones, and um, and just kind of start fresh. And, and and it was, I think, always in the back of their mind too, you know, that that we won't always have dad and we just need to enjoy it. So I think because we didn't have a lot of regrets maybe, um and we had that little window of time in those ten days. We had a good week that we kind of all just gathered around his, you know, recliner and we played games and they asked their dad all these questions, you know, that they wanted to remember and sorry, gosh. But um anyway and so I think they had some good closure, you know. They just and also it's like super bummer to watch your dad die you know and to watch a really strong healthy fit um, man who basically because of um, a cancer treatment the scar tissue had blocked his um, passageway from his stomach to his intestines and so he couldn't get any nourishment to his body (laughs) and they did all these different surgeries and so he didn't actually die necessarily of cancer but because of the the scar tissue that had formed during the treatment, they couldn't get food through. Mm. And they tried all these different things and everything just flukily failed. And um, and so we kind of just watched him starve to death and it was like very fun, you know? Yeah. And he lost all his weight and he couldn't, you know, couldn't walk himself around. We'd have to help him, you know, to walk those last couple of weeks and and so I think by the time he finally died, the kids were like we're so glad, you know, you that, 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 that he's anymore. not, yeah, in that body anymore. And and we felt a lot of peace. Um, just just knowing that he is better now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> he's not sick and he's in his healthy body, you know. I mean not in his healthy body, but he's he's <laughs> he's doing what he needs to do wherever he is, you know, and we we are glad he's not in his unhealthy body. So I don't know. Maybe that's really morbid, but no, that but I think it was sense. I think it was part of why it was easier for them to let go of him, you know. Mm-hmm. And I've just really tried to still we just talk about him, just like it's not weird, you know. So as I've had in-law kids come in um, as my kids have gotten married, and um, one of my daughters-in-law said to me recently, one of the things I thought was so great when I met Tanner was the way that you guys just talk about Derek like he's out of town or something and it's not that, not that we don't talk about him like he's gone but but just this it's like not
0: denial but he's still yeah, part of your family. Yeah. yeah so we'll
1: say oh dad would say this if he were here or like with Thanksgiving coming we're like we've got to make the celery with cream cheese and pecans <laughs> even though none of us really totally love it <laughs> we, <laughs> we have to make it because we always had it because it was one of his favorite things you know yeah. and so they're just little things like that that we're not I don't know we don't like totally hold on to it's not like we go and visit his grave all the time or we but we just talk about him and he's part of our family still we still think of him as part of our family and um what would he say what would he do and and also we want those new in-law kids to kind of get to know him so we talk about him and tell them what he was like and I think that's healthy yeah Um, I don't know what else to do (laughs) <laughs> we're just doing the best we can Sure. we don't really know, I don't know the answers and I think it's different for every family sure. you know, I have friends whose spouses have died and they've handled it differently and it's worked for their family but I think for our family that's been the way to do
0: it so. that's what you need to do okay, so um, since you lost Derek when do you feel his loss most, mm-hmm. or your loss that's an interesting question, because
1: it seems like you should feel it at certain times, right? Like at Christmas or at a wedding. or And and those definitely are poignant times, you know. But they're just random times where you're just, I don't know, just doing whatever. I'm just doing my day-to-day stuff, and I'll just think of something he would say or do. Or I think, oh, I miss that guy. You know, it's sad that he's not here um so those always kind of take me by surprise a little bit because they're random and i think because i prepare myself to miss him at like christmas or Mm -hmm. um thanksgiving (laughs) or like i said we've had these two weddings we've got a third one coming up and um and so when you're sitting there in a wedding obviously you're like we're totally missing somebody yeah um but i've always felt like i think he can pop (laughs) in Yeah. i think he can like because I kind of feel like he's around, you know, but he's still a part of our lives. And, um, and even like, you know, with these kids all finding spouses, I'm like, so is he just somewhere You know, orchestrating. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, because I'm like, we had our kids so close together, but we're getting the new kids even faster. (laughs) faster. (laughs) And it's fun, and I love it. And everyone that's come into our family has been just perfect. They just fit right in. And I'm like, someone knows what they're doing here. (laughs) Those are the right kids. (laughs) So, um, So I feel like he's still around. And I, um, which seems weird. I've heard people say that so many times. They're like, that's a nice, comforting thought. I'm glad that you, you know, have that. But I totally feel that way. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. So, I mean, obviously, he was big on one of his hobbies was yard work. And he loved being out in the yard. It was therapeutic for him. And now I've had to take over the maintenance of the yard, which I don't love as much. <laughs> I always worked in the yard with him because... That's how I could spend time with him. And so I enjoy it and I can do it, but it's not necessarily the same for me as it was for him. So sometimes when I'm mowing the lawn, I'm thinking, like it makes me feel close to him, but it also kind of makes me mad. Like, like, you should be here (laughs) mowing the
0: lawn. (laughs) Or digging up this tree stump or whatever. Anyway. So that's that's my next question. Um, After feeling the loss, When do you feel him closest to your family? Yeah,
1: that's definitely those moments, yeah, yeah, of um, um, definitely the weddings. I've totally felt like he's been close and and the other good times. And sometimes I just hear his voice in my head, you Mm -hmm. know? So it'll be stuff like, um, this doesn't sound very nice, but (laughs) 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 he would, in a teasing, loving way, be like, because I, I tend to like to start a lot of projects okay. and it's hard for me to finish them okay. <laughs> and um, I jump right in I just go full and I get it about 90% done and then I'm like oh we should do this and then I start another <laughs> project you know so he's always like alright ADHD girl like he would always say that <laughs> you know and I hear that in my voice every time I start to leave a project. Okay, ADHD girl. Uh, so I don't know that that's like him out there somewhere saying that. It's just sure. that you're close to somebody. You spend a lot of time together. Yeah. And I can hear kind of what he would say if he were here. But I like that. I like that it makes him feel like not that far away.
0: Yeah. You know, even though it's
1: just probably my own mind just repeating something he would say in that moment. But yeah. I like it. Yeah. It's okay. It makes you feel close. Yeah. Too. Sometimes it makes me laugh. Sometimes it makes me cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I can hear what he would say, so it's good. That's
0: neat. Well, thank you so much for sharing, Derek. Sorry, that's, that's, yeah. That's really beautiful. Um, I have one more question and then we can do a speed round. Okay. Um, you have four children launched from the home. Launched? That's launched. a good word. Um, several <laughs> have served missions for your mm-hmm. church. Um, three of them now married, as you mentioned, two yep. about to graduate from high school yep. pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so pretty successfully entering into adulthood <laughs> yeah. and, and your younger two um, seem to be headed that way as well. So um, when you look back, do you have a, a key thing that you can see that has that has really helped your children to be? Oh. Successful. What an oh, incredible has helped prepare. Oh, for it's that. so
1: easy to look at all the ways that you wish you had not failed your children, right? Sure. Like, that's, it's hard to not look back and think, "Oh, I should sure have done a lot better." But they are doing well, you know. So there's, and I don't know that I can take any credit for it at all. <laughs> like sometimes I think, "Ah, we nailed it," <laughs> <laughs> but then I think I just can't take any credit. So many people were involved, and they're just they're strong souls, you know, and they are just really good kids, and I don't know that I have a lot to do with it, but I think, um, I think, again, just um, me kind of emphasizing their own autonomy, you know, trying to get them to um, um, advocate for themselves, like with school teachers or with friends, you know, just if they ever had a struggle, um, just kind of talking through and being like, hey, well, You need to take responsibility for that and you need to go talk to that teacher or you need to go talk to that friend or you need to make that right with your sibling and not fighting their battles for them i think um or at least they've told me that they're grateful for that because then it's helped them in the adulting Uh phase you know and it's interesting because they're very independent and they're they're doing so well on their own but But I love, um, you know, they'll they'll call and talk to me and tell me about their lives, which I just love that. But I've realized that it's not that really, I feel like I still spend as much time parenting them as I did when they were at home almost. Not really, but you spend so much time thinking about them. And even though you can't really do much because they're independent and they're gonna make their own decisions I think I worry almost more than when they were at home and I had a little bit more control you know like you definitely need to go and do whatever you know but I'm not going to tell them that now they're adults and I want to respect their ability to make their own choices and stuff so in ways it's harder like to parent adult kids but it's super fun I love when they call and chat and or and they just drop by and even if it's, you know, after we've eaten dinner and they're saying, so mommy, how you food? And I'm pulling dinner back out and I'm remaking dinner. <laughs> <and> <laughs> but I love that. I love that they'll come back and they'll visit and hang out. And um, so yeah, I would say that's one thing. Um, another thing that um, I am grateful we did was just having um, family together. There was a lot of Derek not being there, because he had a busy job, and he wasn't yeah. always home. But um, I tried to be super consistent with sitting down and having a, a meal at home. I just loved that time with my kids. I loved it so that they could all touch base with each other. I feel like it strengthened their relationship with each other, because they were all going so many different directions. I was going different directions. And, and to just gather, even if it was for 20 minutes, and, and it took a lot of work, took a lot of planning, <laughs> like on Sunday nights I'd sit down and go how are we going to get everybody home at the same time, you know, okay. and I would often be putting things in the crock pot and starting dinner super early so that we could eat at 4.30 when everybody was home or whatever, you know, or so that there were times when we were going to ball games or, and it was a picnic style dinner that we would take with us while one kid was doing soccer practice or whatever, and, um, so I was super grateful for that time to just touch base as a family. I feel like that was powerful for us. Um, I'm also grateful that we were able to do a family vacation together every year. We have those memories. Mm-hmm. And, um, I feel like that strengthened our family. And I don't know. They weren't always like fancy, expensive trips, you know? They were a lot of time in the car, and
0: a lot of time being grumpy,
1: and eating sandwiches instead of fast food, or you know? Yeah. And, but they made good memories, and I think helped us be close together as a family, which I'm just super grateful for right now, especially because I don't have a buddy, you know? Yeah. And I don't want to be this big like burden on my kids and make them feel like they have to entertain me, and that they have to be there for me now. Um, but I think because we have close, good relationships with each other that they want to hang out together. They yeah. want to be there and they want to touch base with me and I'm glad that we had a good relationship going cool. in. Yeah, that yeah absolutely. <laughs> I love
0: that. That's awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for doing yeah. this with me. I really appreciate it. I think you shared some really profound and beautiful things. Mm-hmm. Um, you ready for a speed run?
1: Yeah. Right. Do I have to
0: talk fast? No. I'm not very fast talking. <laughs> Regina, what's your
1: favorite sound? Um, uh, I really kind of, this is funny maybe, but I really kind of like when my, my old kids say, when they come looking for me. Like if they walk in the door and they say, Mama. <laughs> I, I
0: just love it. Oh, so I love cute. it. So, I
1: don't know, funny. Of course, the little kids giggling is always a good sound. But, sure. But I really like it when those adult kids are... You know, when your kids are little and they say, mom, 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 you're yeah. like, stop, babe, <laughs> yeah. But now when I hear them go, hey, mom, you know, I just love it. Yeah. They're looking for me. That's they still so need me. I love it. So. What's
0: your least favorite
1: sound? Um, The sound of something breaking. <laughs> <Okay. Yeah. laughs> like <What>? your car, <laughs> when you hear your car making a sound, and you're like, oh, no, something's <laughs> wrong with the brakes or the lawnmower? Vacuum, you know, any sound breaking. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> um, what's your favorite word? Um, I decided my favorite word was joy. Mm-hmm. I just think it expresses what it feels like. You know? It is different than just being happy or having fun. It's like this really full, peaceful, content, supported feeling. Mm-hmm. And I love it. It's my favorite. That's so great. I think because of that, I like the word. I like the feeling. But.
0: Yeah. What do you know? Oh,
1: I hate that question. <laughs> <But> I, know. <laughs> I know I'm not perfect. I know I, I there's so many things I wish I could do better. Um, but I know also that it's okay. It's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to not do stuff right. And it's okay, you know, when you replay the conversation in your head that I should have said this, and I, I wish I would have done that. And I I reached out to that person and that activity, or I wish I would have all those. I wish I would have. I wish it would have done that. Um, you just have to let it go. We're doing the best we can. Everybody is. So mm-hmm. anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that. What do you want to learn? Um. I want to learn how to be more.
1: Um, I want to learn how to serve people better. Mm-hmm. I feel like I I have a hard time with that because I I should know how to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the word should, but (laughs) I I wish I could do better with that. I have a lot of friends that I really love and I really care about that have done a lot for me and I am wishing. I want to learn how to. I don't think you can learn that. I feel like that's some people's gift. I don't have that gift. Can I pray for a gift? (laughs) That's what I want to learn. I want to learn (laughs) how to serve better. That's cool. I like that. Um, What scares you? Um, Cancer scares me. I don't like it. Yeah. So, but other than that, other than cancer, um, just because it's taken so many of our friends, right? But other than that, I am a little scared of um, <laughs> losing my mind. <laughs> 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 I'm just afraid I'm going to be a burden on my kids, yeah. you know? That, that there's, I'm not going to be able to think and remember and do it for myself and that they're going to take care of me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that scares me. Like, is there something I can do? What can I do? Can I eat something to make me smarter? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Tell me about a mom you admire. Oh, my own mom, of course. Like she's awesome and she's like the most like patient and (laughs) just loving and calm and kind. And she doesn't worry about a lot of the things that people worry about. She just focuses in on people. She worries about her people, she takes care of her people, and she just always seems to say the right thing, and she just loves people, and so, anyway, it's a good example, Cool, that's incredible.
0: Regina, what are you good at?
1: Oh, yeah, that's another one. Um, oh, it sounds funny since I just said that about my mom. But I think I'm good at loving people. (laughs) Uh, Which is probably why I admire my mom. Yeah, because I wanted to be like that. But I think um, it's easy for me to accept people where they're at. And maybe it's because I'm always so aware of where I'm at. And that I'm not perfect. And um, so I know that everybody else, too. I mean, there have been times in my life when I've been going through some really hard stuff. But you put on your happy face. You go to the store, and you act like everything's fine, and you go to work, and you act like everything's fine, and and um, go to church, and you put on your happy face when really inside, you're not fine. You're kind of screaming inside. And so I think that I am always wondering who around me is screaming, you know? Yeah. And so I think it because of that, it just has given me um, a lot more tolerance, patience with people, and, and it's just easy for me to love people because
0: I know they're just doing the best I can. So, um. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Shay. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank it. you. The point of More Than Interviews are to have stories that you can find things to relate to and see yourself in different women, as well as to step inside their shoes and realize and learn things about other people's experiences, that you may not have thought of. And that's the way that Regina's conversation felt to me. I've never had a spouse that has experienced cancer. I've never lost a spouse. And I can't imagine what that's like to go through that. And she was able to open my eyes to some of the wonderful things that happened, as well as some of the hard things that happened. And I'm so grateful she was willing to share. Thank you for listening to the More Than Mothering podcast. You can visit the website at morethan-mothering.com for show notes, images, and the video form of this interview, as well as many other interviews with remarkable women. If you are having a less than day, I hope you leave feeling more than.